Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Honesty time. Uh, Let's be real for a moment. It's been, uh, well, almost a month now since the Super Bowl. The NFL has come and gone. We're still about a month or so away from the draft when the NFL gets really interesting. And the NBA playoffs are still a good time. We We got a ways to go. Kind of in this middle ground of sports right now. Opening day is less than a month away. Brewers opening day is March 26th. I cannot wait. I saw yesterday on social media uh, the Brewers posting a tweet, posting something on Facebook, talking about how opening day is right around the corner. Get excited, get pumped up. And you know what? I actually did get excited. I did get pumped up. I am excited for Brewers baseball. And I've been pretty disappointed with the Brewers this offseason, how they cut payroll and how they let some really good players walk in free agency. And they traded away some players I thought could really help them win some games this year. I've been disappointed with the Brewers this offseason, but I'm still excited. I can't wait for baseball season to start. I can't wait to have a game to watch every day. Can't wait to get back into the routine of following along with the Brewers and watching every night and afternoon baseball and Sunday afternoon baseball. God, I can't wait. It cannot come fast enough. I want to talk a little baseball today. We're actually going to talk Badgers basketball because last night the Badgers pulled off something that might be just as rare as a solar eclipse. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. We're going to talk Bucks, and we're also going to talk some local action. A couple different local teams. Uh, Drew Kelly is going to join us coming up right before 6 o'clock. He is calling the Central Logan girls matchup tonight. That'll be on our sister station, WIZM. The Central Logan girls season series has been tremendous. Two awesome games this year. And, of course, when Central and Logan played, it's about the city rivalry. We can't wait to watch Johnny Davis go at it with Logan. And, of course, Terrence Thompson, who used to go to Logan. That's an interesting storyline as well. But it's been the girls' games that have been so fantastic this year. That's going to be on WIZM tonight. So we just briefly touch on that with Drew Kelly. We're also going to talk UWL. We're going to talk Central Anna. So that's coming up. Uh, A great variety of topics today on the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. I am most excited about baseball right now. It's been about a month since the Super Bowl. We're still a ways away from the draft. The NBA playoffs still got a ways to go. Lots of games to play before we get there. I am so excited at the idea of the start of baseball season. March 26th, Brewers opening day. And I think you're all pretty excited as well. I saw pictures from Dave and Scrady's party that they were throwing at the Mirage last night on the south side of town, giving away Brewers opening day tickets. That place was packed. And I was back here in the studio talking to Dave and Scrady from about 4 until 5.45. They were down there getting people signed up, talking to listeners, talking to Brewers fans. And the place was packed. I saw pictures on Facebook today. I think you must be really excited about Brewers season as well. Either that or you just love Dave and Scrady that much. Of course, we all love Dave and Scrady. But everybody is excited for the start of baseball season. And don't forget... We have a lot of opportunities this summer to hop on the bus on one of our many bus trips to go see the Brewers at Miller Park. I think it's the best way to go to a Brewer game. Don't worry about parking. Don't worry about driving. Just hop the bus. We'll take care of everything for one low price. You get your game ticket, uh, the bus ride, of course, to and from Milwaukee to and from Miller Park, and you get that awesome pregame tailgate party courtesy of Premier 
catering. The next opportunity you have, the first opportunity, I should say, after opening day, is going to be in early May. May 10th, we're going to Miller Park to watch the Brewers play the Diamondbacks. That trip is presented by uh, Newey's Vogue Bar and Grill. Tickets, RadioStuffStore.com. We have games all throughout the summer. Lots of opportunities to go check them out because I know you want to get to Miller Park. The excitement is real. We saw it at the Mirage last night, and I get texts, I get calls every day about the Brewers and how we need to talk more Brewers. And I understand it because Baseball, I think more so than football or basketball or hockey, I think baseball brings people together. I think baseball is a very unifying sport. Fans of each team wrapping their arms around each other. Growing up, like my family, without fail, every single summer, we went to a Brewer game. And we, I I should say I, I grew up in Menominee, Wisconsin, which is just uh, on the west side of Eau Claire, about two hours north of here, obviously. It's a four-hour drive to, to Miller Park into Milwaukee. It was no small endeavor, right? It was something that was planned months in advance. We got our hotel reservations. We got our tickets. We would drive down. And I have memories of that with my family, with my siblings. Neither one is a sports fan, but that really wasn't that important. It was about going on a bobblehead day, and we'd all get a bobblehead. Of course, we'd tailgate before the game, and we'd always, without fail, end up tailgating or parking next to somebody who is from somewhere near Menominee. You drive four hours, and you end up bumping into people who live 20 minutes away. That's kind of the fun of tailgating outside Miller Park. We would stay in the same hotel every time we visited Milwaukee. It was a family tradition we had every summer. And my siblings aren't huge sports fans. My mom isn't a huge sports fan, although she follows along for sure. But summertime in Wisconsin, you go to a game. That's what we did growing up. Baseball brings people together. I was talking to one of my best friends just a couple days ago. He is planning a trip to go to Detroit with his dad uh, coming up late spring, early summer. He was telling he was scheduling because he has to work around the UWL final schedule because it's during finals week. So it's just in early mid-May. They're planning to go to Detroit because him and his dad do this thing or they're trying to start this tradition every year of going to a different ballpark together. They've done Wrigley Field. They're Twins fans, so they've obviously done Target Field and they've done Miller Park. They did Kansas City, and they're going to Detroit this upcoming spring, right? They're very excited. Baseball brings people together. Me and two high school friends, we have started our own fun tradition the last couple of summers of alternating between Miller Park and Target Field every summer. My two friends are Twins fans. I'm a Brewer fan. It's interesting because two hours north of here where I grew up, there are a lot more Twins fans. Down here, it's it's. A lot, a lot of Brewer fans, not nearly as many Twins fans. But where I grew up, two hours north of here, there might be a third of my friends growing up. Their families were Twins fans, or they were Twins fans. Lots of Twins fans where I grew up. So two of my best friends from high school. The last couple of summers, we've done Target Field. Then the next year, we go Miller Park, and we see a Brewers-Twins game. And it's cool because we get to spend time together, and it's a tradition we have. But it's also cool to share our teams, because they're in different divisions, different leagues. So... It's really fun for me to welcome my friends into Miller Park and and share with them my team that's in the National League, not the American League, and to get to tailgate and to kind of share with them the fan experience and tradition that I grew up with. And likewise, I think it's probably cool for them to welcome me into Target Field and to show them and teach them or to teach me about their team and, and the game day experience at Target Field, which is so much different. Target Field and Miller Park, if you're going to a game, Very, very different game day tradition. At Milwaukee, you're going to park in a huge parking lot with lots of other people. You're going to get there early. You're going to set up a grill. You're going to bring a cooler, and you're going to sit out in the hot sun and listen to music, play beanbags. 
You're going to smell the charcoal. You're going to drink beer. Whereas if you go to a game in the cities at Target Field, you're downtown. So you're probably going to park your car somewhere outside of downtown and leave it. Maybe you take an Uber. You take uh, some type of train or tram into town. And then you go to bars. Right, bars around Target Field, or you go to get food or go get drinks, and then you walk into the stadium when the time comes because it's right in the midst of downtown. It's a part of the skyline. You look out in the outfield and you see the skyline. You see the big Target dog with the winking eye on the side of the building, right? So very different game day traditions. And every summer we alternate. Last summer we did uh, Target Field. This summer, hopefully, we get to do Miller Park and we get to share that game day experience. Baseball brings people together it's cool to share our teams the memories we've made the game day experiences baseball is is unique like that baseball is very personal for fans I think too we talked about this a couple of weeks ago baseball is different from football and basketball because it's so regional it's so local I don't watch the Brewers on Fox or on CBS or ESPN I watch them on Fox Sports Wisconsin which is very regional. I get used to seeing Dario Melendez and Craig Kashan, and I hear the voice of Brian Anderson and Bill Schroeder, The Rock, all summer long, and Sophia Menard. You get used to that routine, and it almost starts to feel like a close-knit family. My baseball fandom lives through the Brewers. I couldn't tell you the first thing about the Baltimore Orioles. I could tell you a thing or two about the Baltimore Ravens or the Pittsburgh Steelers. I could tell you a lot about the Philadelphia 76ers or the San Antonio Spurs. But my baseball fandom lives through the Brewers. It's specific to the Brewers. And Brewers fandom and the broadcast crew and the manager and the players, it feels like a family. It feels very local. It feels very regional. It feels like a family because baseball brings people together. And that's why it's so exciting when our team is winning, when our team is making the playoffs. It feels even more special, I think, than the Packers or the Badgers or the Bucks, because our baseball team is so unique to us. We watch it all summer long on Fox Sports Wisconsin. We get used to the personalities and the faces and the coaches and the broadcasters. Baseball brings people together. And I think it's really, really cool. And it was definitely evident yesterday at the Mirage. Dave and Scrady were hanging out, getting people signed up to win opening day tickets. It was packed. And don't forget, even if you don't score some free tickets and you don't win them, we have lots of opportunities to hop on one of our bus trips. Right now, we have five that are currently not yet sold out. Our opening day bus is sold out. The next trip you have is May 10th. Brewers Diamondbacks at Miller Park. The tickets are just 90 bucks, and that's all-inclusive. Your bus ride, your game ticket, and the food and drink at the tailgate party. That price is really, really low on May 10th, thanks to Nui's Vogue Bar and Grill. So go to RadioStuffStore.com. Check out all the tickets we have available, because as soon as the season starts, excitement ramps up, and those tickets are going to sell out. So get them now while you still have an opportunity, uh, and hop the bus. It really is the best way to go see a Brewer game. And baseball brings people together. It's a fun, unique experience. So get to Miller Park. You're going to enjoy the weather. You're going to enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy the team. Baseball brings people together. Come be a part of it. RadioStuffStore.com. Get your tickets. When we come back, I want to talk about Badger basketball because they did something last night that is just about as rare as a solar eclipse. I'll explain what I'm talking about, and we'll talk. Greg Gard and Wisconsin Badger basketball. It's a rare occurrence on this show, so don't miss out. That's coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show will roll on, presented by Play It Again Sports, right here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for tuning in. Bucks Talk coming up in about 10 minutes. We're also going to speak with our local expert, Drew Kelly, the voice of sports. 
here on WKTY and on our sister station, WIZM. We're going to talk a couple local teams coming up at 545, a couple of games this weekend that we got to talk about. We'll also talk the WIAC tournament and UWL, their chances at an at-large bid. A lot to cover with Drew and a lot of chatter about the Bucks. That's all coming up in the next half hour. First, I want to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers, which is crazy. No, I'm okay. I'm not being held hostage. It's not something we do on this show very often. But I got to give them credit because they pulled off something incredible last night. We'll get there in a moment. I got home last night and I was looking for something to watch. It's Thursday night. I I didn't really want to go out. I've been staying up really late this week. And last night I was going to try to get a beat on it, get to bed early. So I wasn't tired today. I stayed up until 2 a.m. But that's not that is that doesn't matter. That's not important. What happened? I got home. I'm looking for something to watch, looking to kind of mellow out for the night. And I'm scrolling through the channels, scrolling through Twitter. And normally college basketball isn't my thing, but last night it was either college basketball or the combine. And I, I, guys, I can't do the combine. Maybe as I get older, I'll start to appreciate it, but I'm scrolling through Twitter last night and it's just a bunch of reporters reporting 40 times. And I'm like, I can't get excited about, I can't read this. I cannot do this. I choose college basketball, which goes to show you how much I actually despise having to pay attention to times of the 40-yard dash like we're in middle school track right? Or in the high school football program and your name's getting put up on the wall. I'm like, I can't do 40 times. I'll do college basketball. So I threw on the Badger game and it was a really, really great game. I'm not going to act like I suffered through it. I enjoyed it. The Badgers won 81 to 74. Demetrius Trice was tremendous. He had 28 points, just a couple away from his career high, but it wasn't the win or the, or, or the scoring total or Demetrius Trice's statistics last night that made the game so amazing. Last night was incredible because the Badgers got a road win in the Big Ten. The Badgers won away from the Coles Center last night. Put it, yes, absolutely. Something that is about as rare as a solar eclipse. And it sounds like I'm making fun of the Badgers here. I'm not. It's really the way the Big Ten has been this year. It's not just a Wisconsin thing. Teams have been incredible at home, and sometimes they have looked incompetent on the road. And the Badgers not unlike any other team in the Big Ten, have suffered a very similar fate on the road. If you look at the records, home and away, throughout the Big Ten, it's incredible. Maryland, 15-0 and at home. They're 5-5 five and five on the road. Illinois, 13-3 and three at home. 6-5 and five on the road. The Badgers are 13-1 and one at the Coles Center. They're 5-6 and six on the road. And on and on and on you go. Rutgers is 17-1 and one overall, and they're 1-8 and eight at home. Or excuse me, 17-1 and one at home, 1-8 and eight away. That's crazy. And of course teams are going to be better at home, but I can't think of a season where teams have struggled to win on the road so much like they have this year. And that's what made last night's game even more impressive. Wisconsin looked like they were going to pull away. They were up 10 with a couple of minutes to go, and then Michigan made a run. And I'm thinking, man, oh man, here we go. But the Badgers fought them off, and they held on to win 81-74. to Incredible, because road wins have been few and far between. The Badgers able to get one last night against another ranked opponent, Michigan ranked 19th. We'll see if that changes. I haven't talked much about Wisconsin basketball this year. There just hasn't been much to talk about. Like, the Badgers are 18-10. and They're probably going to make the tournament. But they really don't have a realistic shot at winning, I think, more than a couple of games. I don't think they have a realistic shot at winning the Big Ten or the Big Ten tourney. I think they're going to win some games. Right now, they're tied for second with a handful of other teams. There just isn't that much to talk about or to recognize. There's no Ethan Happ putting together a historical season. There isn't much to talk about. But after last night, I'm starting to think there's a little something to talk about. 
and a little something to recognize. That's Greg Gard. The job that Greg Gard has done this year is nothing short of really, really, really impressive. When Kobe King left the program a couple of weeks ago, a lot of people blamed Gard and wanted Greg Gard gone and used the Kobe King incident as a reason to hate on Greg Gard. And that's well within your right as a Badger fan. Kobe King was one of their best players, their scholarship players, an in-state recruit, and Greg Gard, for better or for worse, his fault or not, was the head coach of the team when Kobe King left. So that is a cross he's going to have to bear. I didn't really have beef with Greg Gard over the Kobe King incident. I just, I don't think it was a good fit. I think Kobe needed something else, and I think Greg Gard probably wasn't the perfect coach for Kobe King. I don't really blame either side for that. I think there's blame to go on both sides. I don't know if that's specifically one side's fault. My beef with Greg Gard this season and in the past has been about player development. I think there's a long, laundry list of players that showed promise as freshmen and sophomores that never really reached their potential or the potential we thought they had. Khalil Iverson, Charlie Thomas, Alex Illicanen, Brevin Pritzel. These are players who never ascended to the heights that I thought they could. I'm not saying they were going to become lottery picks, but Bo Ryan and early on in Greg Gard's career, you saw trends of guys coming in and flashing every once in a while as freshmen and sophomores and then getting better, getting better, growing into their role in the program and being really good players as upperclassmen. I think there's a long laundry list of players under Greg Gard that just haven't reached their potential. That's my beef with Greg Gard. Last night, I thought there were a couple examples of player development. Aleem Ford was really, really, really good last night. He had 18 points, and he's on a pretty good stretch. He's shooting the ball well. He's not a great rebounder. He, he has a tendency to get pushed around, but last night he had eight boards. Aleem Ford appears to be developing. He's a current junior. And Micah Potter has been great, and I understand Micah Potter hasn't been in the program, but it takes a certain skill as a coach, to bring in a guy and and no less have him sit the first half of the year because of eligibility issues with the NCAA, which was ridiculous. I think it cost Wisconsin some wins. To bring in Micah Potter, who had been at Ohio State, who hadn't been in the Wisconsin program, and, and, and to find a role to maximize Micah Potter, he's done that. Micah Potter had 18 points last night, and he's been a real shot in the arm for this team, and Greg Gard has made him fit. He's found a space on this team and worked him into the fold. you got to give Greg Gard credit. It's not just about last night's game, though. Last night's game was impressive, and it culminated in a road win over a ranked opponent, which has been super rare in Big Ten play this year, not only for the Badgers, but for every Big Ten squad. Greg Gard should be celebrated for the job he's done this entire season, and I get it. Wisconsin's 18-10. and 10, They're currently unranked. It hasn't been an otherworldly season. But if you consider everything that Greg Gardis had to coach and lead through this season, you see he should be celebrated. He should be recognized. And Dan Dockich last night, say what you want about Dan Dockich. He's had beef with Frank Kaminsky for forever. But he had a really poignant quote about Coach Gard last night. He said, Greg Gard is one of the all-time nicest guys, the most normal guys in coaching. I thought Bo Ryan was great, but Greg is sensational. I think he's coach of the year in the league, meaning in the Big Ten he should be coach of the year. Greg Gard has had to coach through a lot this year. First, they lost Ethan Happ. They graduated their best player, one of the best players in program history. That's tough to fight through. It's, it's something Coach Dernbach had to do with at UWL, graduating Ben Meinholz along with their other four starters, and they've been better this year. That's a mark of a really good coach. Greg Gard is no exception. Coaching through the graduation of their best player, Ethan Happ. Then they went through the death 
in the Howard Moore family, which shook the program, which shook Coach Moore, and that's almost become a rallying point for this team. Basketball coaching staffs are small. It's not like there's dozens of coaches and assistants in the NFL. Everyone's close. It's very personal, and that connection is there. And the way that this team has rose above that tragedy has been really, really impressive this year. And Greg Gard, as the head coach, gets to share that success. In fact, he's the driving force behind that success. He had to deal with Micah Potter's eligibility issues, which was ridiculous, but something he fought through, supported his guys, and now, even more impressive, has found a role for Micah Potter to succeed on this team, despite Micah Potter not being able to play until the middle of the year. That's a challenge. He had 18 points last night. It was a big reason why they were why they were winners in Ann Arbor. Then he had to deal with Kobe King leaving. And that and that mess that it created for the program, especially due to Johnny and Jordan Davis, two two recruits that everybody is really excited about from Lacrosse Central, from the, the, the Kobe King, uh from Kobe King's school. They had to deal with that and the backlash that followed. And they've done nothing but win since and rally around that. And then, of course, Brad Davison gets suspended. And Greg Gard's got to back him up. And what does is, what is Davison do? He goes out and has a fantastic game a couple of weeks ago. The, the job that Greg Gard has done is so, so impressive. And it's culminated with five wins over ranked opponents this season. Only Baylor, Iowa, and Oregon have more. Greg Gard has now led... Wisconsin to 18 wins over top 25 teams with nine of them away from home. It's really impressive what he's done. Five wins over ranked opponents this season. And he's done it with only eight scholarship players. They're currently second in the Big Ten. I don't think this Wisconsin team is otherworldly good. I don't think they have a shot at making the Final Four. They're 18 and 10. They've had a pretty good season and they're near the top in a really, really competitive conference. But the way they've improved over the course of the year has been really, really impressive. He said this after the game last night. 60 days ago, this wouldn't have been possible. We weren't ready to come into this environment against a good team and close the game out on the road. They've improved. They've grown as a team. I think players have become more cemented in their roles and have bought into their roles. It's really, really impressive what Greg Gard has done. And he needs to be celebrated and needs to be recognized. Especially because three or four weeks ago, everyone was calling him for him to be fired. Really impressive job by Greg Gard. And it has to be recognized. When we come back, I want to talk Bucks basketball, and then we're going to talk to Drew Kelly. We have a, a, a huge variety of topics on today's show. It's been really fun. We're going to talk Milwaukee Bucks basketball. They return to action tonight. It looks like Chris Middleton is going to be out. I'll update you with everything you need to know and give my opinion on this James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo beef, which I find to be very entertaining. We'll talk about that coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. <laughs> This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Graham Bills. Hope you're having a good Friday night. Thanks for hanging out. Bucks basketball coming up tonight. They're playing the Red Hot Surging Thunder. The young, exciting Oklahoma City Thunder coming up at 7 o'clock tonight. So 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock tip right here on WKTY. It was just announced that Chris Middleton is going to miss tonight's game with a neck injury. Nothing uh, too bad. Nothing that was that was happened in practice or in a game. He just has a sore neck today. And he's been playing a lot, obviously, this week with Giannis fouling out on Monday and playing overtime and then a big game in Toronto on Tuesday. Middleton's just been stacked minutes, so he gets the night off tonight. We'll see if the Bucks are able to take down the surging, exciting Thunder. Shea Gilgis Alexander has been so much fun to watch. The Thunder, I look, when they traded away Paul George, they were supposed to be rebuilding, and I guess in a sense they are rebuilding, but 
they've been really fun to watch. So uh, tonight, a good, uh, exciting opportunity to watch a young Thunder team and a 50-8 and eight Bucks team uh, tune in here on WKTY. Giannis is improving this season. Like, we, we need to recognize that, right? He won MVP last year, and he's improving in just about every category, and he's adding uh, uh, certain certain moves and certain skills to his game. He's getting better, and he's going to win MVP this year even more comfortably, barring some incredible set of circumstances, an injury, or, well, I think an injury would be the only way that Giannis doesn't end up an easy runaway MVP this year, much like last year. He's taking a lot of heat, however, the last couple of days, and kind of since the All-Star break. Most recently, it's James Harden. After the All-Star break, people were killing him because he wasn't a closer in the fourth quarter of the All-Star game. I thought the All-Star game was for fun, but I guess we're turning it into a big deal now. He was a pretty good closer in Toronto the other night, but I guess that's not an All-Star game, so we're not going to talk about that. Now he's taking heat from James Harden. So when when Giannis drafted his All-Star team, he took a little bit of a shot at Harden. He took Kemba instead, and he joked that he wants someone who will pass the ball. Because James Harden's a dribbler. James Harden's a shooter. I, I, I don't think that's an insult to James Harden. I just think it's a joke. He took Kemba, not James Harden. And in an interview with Rachel Nichols the other night, James Harden had this to say. You know, but I wish I could just run, run and with seven feet and run and just dunk. Like, that takes no skill at all. <laughs> I got to actually learn how to play basketball and how to have skill, you know? I'd take that any day. Do you think that in the end, a title is going to give you the respect that you think yeah, you deserve? I mean, it is, and I will get it. A lot to break down there. There's a couple things he said. James Harden said, I wish I was seven feet tall so I could just run and dunk. First of all, we could look up an extensive list of players in the NBA who are seven feet tall, who are not capable of doing what Giannis does. Dragon Bender, who was just waved by the Bucks, now he's with Golden State. There's an example right there. Seven feet tall, What is he doing what Giannis is doing? No. James Harden then said it takes no skill, which we'll talk about in a minute, and then said that in order for me to be fully appreciated, I need to win a title, and I'm going to win a title. So there's three parts to that. Let's focus on the first half first. I think it's really, really unfair to say that Giannis has no skill and that what he is doing and what he's accomplishing doesn't take any skill. You want to say that Giannis is a less skilled player? Okay, that's that's fair because James Harden has moves, right? He's got to step back. He's got some some weird floaters. He's got a lot of dribbling moves. Kyrie is a player who is a great example, who's very skilled, has a good crossover, a good in and out dribble. He's got a really great finishing package. His game is full of lots of different skills. Giannis doesn't have the same handles that Harden or Kyrie has. He doesn't have the same shot as Harden or Steph Curry or players like that. But to say that he has no skill, no skill, is just inaccurate, and it's really unfair. Imagine an MVP who made the Eastern Conference Finals having no skill. In fact, I don't think there's a single NBA player who has no skill. Everybody's skilled. To say it it, it takes no skill, that's just unfair. He's a less skilled player. Okay, that's fair, I, and I'd probably agree with that. Let's talk about skills, though. Let's break down skills as it pertains to the reigning MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is, by the way, leading the Bucks to a 50-8 and eight season, and he, they're going to be the one seed again in the entire NBA. But just for background, that's all I'm saying. Let's look at the skills of Giannis. Let's talk about his ball handling first. You know, he played point guard. Like, Giannis has played point guard. He brings the ball up the floor. And you might think, well, yeah, he's not a great ball handler because he's seven feet tall. Okay, well, what about Anthony Davis? Because Anthony Davis can't do what Giannis can do. That's why Anthony Davis needs a second star. He didn't have a second star in New Orleans. He needs somebody to get him the ball. 
Giannis doesn't need someone to get him the ball. He can bring the ball up. He can drive. He can maneuver with the ball in his hand. He's seven feet tall, so he's limited as a ball handler. But I think he's pretty darn good. He's not Kyrie. He's not James Harden. No. But to say that he has no handles, no skill? Uh, I don't know if that's true. He's played point guard after all. Let's talk about passing. Another basketball skill. Yeah, Giannis probably has easy assist opportunities. And by the way, Giannis is averaging almost six assists per game this year. Uh, I believe he's at 5.8 currently on the season. Yeah, 5.8 assists per night. The offense revolves around him, and he is double and triple teamed a lot, which opens up opportunities for him to pass. But Giannis is a pretty darn good passer. He can strong arm the ball into the corner or along the baseline behind a defender across to the weak side, but he's also a really good passer in transition, finding players who are out leading the way or who are trailing behind. That doesn't necessarily show up in the stat book, 5.8 assists per game, you might think, well, he's just kicking it out to shooters. Well, yeah, some of those assists are kick out to shooters off a double team. But he also gets assists on skip passes and passing the ball through two defenders and out of a double team and in transition. And you don't notice those things unless you watch the game, which I know, yes, is a novel idea in 2020 to actually watch regular season basketball. But if you want to be able to talk about and debate things like this, then you need to watch games. Because saying he just kicks out of double teams, well, yeah, there'd be a lot of players who could kick out of double teams if that were the case. But averaging six assists per game in, what, less than 30 minutes a night? Pretty damn impressive. Let's talk about his defense. Because I think defense counts as a skill. It's a skill that James Harden certainly doesn't have. Giannis could have been the defensive player of the year the last two years. He could very well be the defensive player of the year this year. I think he'll win MVP instead, and I don't think he's going to win both, as was the case last year. I think he deserved defensive player of the year last year. But he won MVP, so they gave defensive player to Rudy Gobert. I think something very similar will happen this year. Defense is a skill, and it's a skill that James Harden does not have. The ability to do it at both ends, to use your length, to use your agility, to close out and go for steals, and then recover and defend the rim, it's a skill that James Harden doesn't have. And defense counts as a skill. Let's remember that. So Giannis can ball handle, he can pass, he can play defense. All of his skills match his body type and his skill set, which is fair. So it comes down to shooting, right? That must be it. Well, Giannis can't shoot, so he has no skills. He's not the best shooter. His field goal percentage is at 55%, and his percentage from three is at 31.5%. So to say he can't shoot, I think, is unfair. He's not the most consistent shooter. He has good nights and bad nights. And I would certainly prefer him attacking the rim because that's where he's much more effective. But to say he can't shoot and he has no skill at shooting the basketball is just inaccurate and it's unfair. His game is always expanding, and it's improved every single year throughout his career. He even acknowledged this in his interview before the Toronto game. He said, yeah, over the All-Star break especially, I was working on my mid-range jumper, and I was working on on kind of the the, the touch shots and the falling away shots and the fadeaway, because when I'm double and triple teamed, I'm not always going to be able to bulldoze my way to the paint. And against Toronto, he used that game to test stuff out. In the fourth quarter, he had a beautiful falling away mid-range jumper, and he had a catch-and-shoot three both in the final five minutes of that game that helped ice the game. He didn't have opportunities to get to the rim, so that's when he went into his bag, into his skill set, hit a falling away jumper, hit a three-point shot. It was on display. And I know you'd actually have to watch the game to see that, which is a novel and insane idea in the year 2020 where no one watches the regular season. Love to think think they know what they're talking about, but they don't. Well, he made five threes against the Lakers, but he hasn't come close since. Well, yeah, that was an outlier game. Are we going to penalize? Are we going to fault Giannis for making five threes in one game and not sniffing it again? That's not fair. Why are we faulting him for an outlier game? 
Giannis is certainly less skilled. I'm not going to say he has no skill. He's an MVP, so I think that's very unfair from James Harden. Giannis is certainly less skilled. I'm going to argue that James Harden is too skilled. And, and the end of that interview, they're talking about how Harden needs to win a title. Listen to this one more time. He needs to win a title to be recognized. Do you think that in the end, a title is going to give you the respect that you think yeah, you deserve? I mean, it is, and I will get it. I don't think he is going to get it because as Giannis is less skilled, he actually said no, no skill. James Harden is too skilled. He chooses to play in a way that emphasizes individuality and statistics. And that's why he's not going to win a title. James Harden doesn't fit within a system. It takes five guys to win a championship. Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double. The Thunder were out of the playoffs in the first round. It's, an, it's not an individual sport. James Harden plays with a style that's all about his skill and his bag of tricks. And he puts up a lot of statistics. But he doesn't win in the postseason. He doesn't. And when Chris Paul got hurt in 2015-2016, they crumbled even despite having two leads in elimination games over the Warriors, one game at home. Maybe, maybe James Harden has too much skill, plays with too much skill. Think about that. We're going to talk to Drew Kelly, the most of local sports here on WKTY. We're going to preview some of this weekend's game, talk the WIAC Conference Tournament, and think about Central and on Alaska just a little bit before we head into the boys' uh, state tournament playoffs coming up here in the next week. Drew Kelly, when we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show for the week, coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bills. I am your host. We've covered the Brewers, the Bucks, the Badgers. We've really hit it all today. If you want to catch up on anything you missed, WKTYsports.com and our mobile app. Both will have the podcast shortly after 6 o'clock, so go check it out. We are now joined by the voice of local sports here on WKTY and on WIZM. That is Drew Kelly. He is in action tonight and tomorrow. Let's, uh, let's talk about some of these games. So, Drew, Central Logan Girls... This has been a really good season series. Like these games have been awesome. Tonight is the rubber match, and then the winner obviously moves on in the playoffs. What are you expecting tonight? Uh, the game tonight's game on WKTY. It's really interesting because we obviously have done both these double headers, Central and uh, Logan, mm-hmm. where we were going there for the boys' game, and we're all excited for that varsity matchup. And then all of a sudden, we get treated as like probably the better game of the two yeah. in the girls' contest. Obviously, Logan going down there in the final seconds and winning at the buzzer at Logan, and then Central taking care of home court on their end as well just a couple of weeks ago and winning by six. So really even teams, two teams that are going to play really good defense and make it tough on the opposing offenses. And that usually lets you know that you're in for a long haul as far as some of these games. Like They're not going to let the other team just blow them out of the water. They have the good defenses enough where they can hang in games and if they make enough plays down the stretch, we're going to have another classic tonight. The Central Ana boys games that we've done this year have been two of the best high school games I've ever seen. But if I had to do like a ranking of all the games we've covered, you know, set the teams aside, whether it's boys, girls. And sometimes we like find ourselves watching a random JV game that turns right. out being really good. We never broadcast those games. No, no. But they, they're we fun. see them. Yeah, we enjoy basketball of, of any level. I think the first Central Logan game that was at Logan was one of the crazier finishes I have ever seen the last two or three years when I have been watching high school basketball. It's hard for me to it's hard for me to argue that because when yeah. you take a look at the atmosphere that was there, all the people packed into the gym, mm-hmm. ready for that next game, treated like we said, that girls' game was awesome. Central took the lead late, and then Logan came back, obviously with four seconds left, and ended up going length of the floor. JoJo Davis just basically steamrolling through everybody An and play. getting. 
a bucket with about two seconds left and, in the and game. And one. And one. The theatrics of waiting for the ref's right. call, like waiting everyone for the, holding their breath, yep. that was awesome. And you weren't sure if it was going to be a charge, if it was going to be a block. They weren't sure at all. And then, uh, obviously, it was a block and got the and one there. But uh, I think it's going to be another fantastic game. Can't wait to call it on WIZM. Yeah, so, oh, the game, that's right, the game on WIZM tonight. And then tomorrow, the winner of this game will take on the Honor Girls. The Honor Girls are, are a really good team. They kind of messed around and had a close matchup with Menominee not too far back. And they've, they've gotten a beat by Central the last time we saw that matchup. I'm not going to say that Anna is is overrated or they, they haven't played up to their ranking, but they've been in some close games. What do they do well, and what do they need to continue to do well tomorrow to make sure they can advance past the winner of tonight's game? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, they uh, still have to take care of business tonight, obviously, to mm-hmm. get into tomorrow night. Yes, They're going to be hosting the game uh, if that takes place. And you take a look at the series between Lacrosse Central and Onalaska. Central swept them at mm-hmm. Onalaska, and then they just basically dismantled them at home. They did. Um, and, and it really was kind of an ugly showing offensively. I don't think they're going to shoot that poorly again if it comes down to that. I think you know they had some open shots that just didn't fall, and that's basketball. It's going to mm-hmm. happen. Uh, but they're going to rely on their pressure defense. They like to trap everybody, and really the only team it doesn't work against is against Aquinas, who does that in practice every day. Yeah. Um, but I think if they can turn the other team over and get some quick, easy buckets. And obviously the hot shooting of uh, Kenzie Miller and Lexi are going are to be huge uh, going into tomorrow tomorrow's game. Molly Garrity has also stepped up in the postseason in the past, so it'll be interesting to see kind of what they have in store as far as uh, some you know late-game heroics and other people stepping up off the bench that uh, are going to be relied on, obviously, as we get into the postseason. And it's going to be a tough road to hoe. Two top-five teams are in their wake before they even get to the state tournament, yeah. should that be the possibility both for Logan, Central, and on Alaska. Yeah, all three girls' teams. Central did get them last time, and, and that game at Central, what was that, last last week or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. It, uh, two weeks ago. Just The balls were falling, the shots were falling for on Alaska. I think it, it sometimes is just as simple as that. You hope that that doesn't happen in the playoffs, but... And it's also interesting to note, obviously, the two injuries that took place yeah. uh, with uh, Whitney Slovacek as well, or Ava mm-hmm. Parcher, rather, as well as with Olivia Gamoki. So hopefully both those players are fine, ready to go, yeah. and it's not going to hamper them any further down the road. Drew, you've been really busy this week. Drew Kelly, the voice of local sports on WKTY, and now we're adding games on our sister station, WIZM, because we do have so much that's going on. I was in the studio for lacrosse, uh, UWL, that is, uh, and, and River Falls in the first round of the WIAC tournament. I think UWL is a really good team. They lost last night. It was a close matchup. Um, which is a bummer because they would have been hosting this weekend, yeah. which would have been awesome in the WIAC Conference Championship game. Do you think they're going to get an at-large bid? I think that's a really good team, but they left a couple opportunities out there this year. They blew a couple regular season games. I think they had an opportunity to win the other night. I think they're better this year than last year, and they got an at-large bid last year, but I think strength of the conference has a lot to do with that. What do you think the odds are that they can get an at-large bid? 60-40, yes, but I, it really, I think, makes a difference about what the committee for lack of a better term, yeah. thanks to the WIAC this year. Because mm-hmm. you're right, it's not as t- highly touted as it was last year when you had two top 10 teams, along with UWL, uh, go in there as well as far as, as the tournament is concerned. You have a team in Platteville that's in the top 25, UWL is in the top 25. Neither of those teams are going to make the play in the finals. So you automatically have another team that you have to put in there, yeah. the conference champion, that's going to get the automatic bid. So is the WIAC a three-team lead? And that's something that's going to have to be debated. And I think you're right. UWL by far exceeded everybody's expectations yeah. uh, from what we thought they might be, from what we even knew about them. I don't think anybody knew anything about them, just given the fact Not that much. they lost all five starters off last year's team and 
obviously a great non-conference schedule. I think that might help them. Yeah, uh, that's when very it comes true. Yeah, to forget about that. Uh, when it comes to you know, kind of the finer points as far as you know, is this going to team uh, you compare apples to apples, and you, then you kind of go through the minute, like, well, what's the better strength of schedule? What's the better non-conference schedule? Things yeah. like that. How do they play on the road? Uh, so I, th- I think uh, they do get a bid, uh, but as you stated, they put themselves in a position where. You're going to have to wait and sweat it out, I think, for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, they had that game at Platteville at home. They had a great shot the other night to be hosting a WIAC championship game. So I had a lot. I mean, uh, you know, you had Whitewater. Mm-hmm. They were up by 12, I think, yep. at halftime. Oshkosh, they were up by 8 at halftime. So it's and just look, one if, of those deals. If I'm a member on the committee, I know UWL is a defensive team that really, really loves to win games defensively. And I look at that Platteville game, that Whitewater game, amongst others, and say, these games were there for you to win, right? You had a lead in the second half. You should have been able to play defense, play to your strength, and you couldn't get it done. That's it's a little bit of a knock on UWL. I wish that those games would have went their way because I think yeah. it would be a much easier decision. I think they would get an at-large bid. But yeah, you're, then you're talking 23-3 and three yeah. versus 21-6. and six yeah, or a- Absolutely, and regardless of what you think of the WIAC this year, I think that lends itself very well to putting them, putting them in the tournament. Now we'll have to, like you said... Uh, wait and see. Drew, while I have you, I, I want to ask because it's it's crazy how fast this season has gone by. The boys' uh, high school playoffs are going to be starting before you know it. I think Central and Onalaska are going to meet each other. I don't think yeah. either one of those teams is going to get upset. We'll see. I'm not going to lie. Maybe it's bias, although it's not bias. Onalaska has beaten Central twice. You need to take that into account, right? I don't think that's recency I don't think so. bias. Yeah. Central has looked mortal the last couple of times we've done them. Johnny Davis is incredible, and and but finding Terrence Thompson a role has looked difficult. He's he's looked a little bit passive, and Jordan Davis as well. I, I'm am I crazy for thinking that Onalaska can beat him for the third time? You, you say it's difficult to beat a team three times. I think it's difficult if you got lucky the first two times. I don't right. think Onalaska got no, lucky. They just beat him, and then I think they have a good recipe and identity. I I think Onalaska is going to be the team to come out of the MVC or, or this region this year in the postseason. But, but what's your outlook for both of those teams moving into the playoffs? Yeah, they definitely are going to meet each other. I don't think either of those first okay. two round games yeah. are going to be that much of a challenge, quite frankly. And you just take a look at what they do outside of against each other. You know, Central has such a terrible game where they lose by six points to Onalaska, then they win by 40 the next two games. Yeah. So it's like you kind of forget how good Central is based on how human Onalaska makes them look. True. And so when you take a look at, you know, if you get couple guys in foul trouble. If you have an off shooting night by, uh, you know, Carson Arns, who had six threes in that last mm-hmm. game, you know, maybe that makes a difference in this third matchup. Uh, but they obviously have the experience. Central has the experience winning in those games. Onalaska hasn't done it yet. We'll see if that makes yeah. a difference. Onalaska, the last time, the last couple times I've seen him in the playoffs, that game at Logan last year, you were at the state tournament yeah. with Aquinas, but I know you were keeping tabs. Onalaska didn't look overwhelmed. They just came up short. I, I, both of these teams With a half-court shot that almost went yeah. in. It, it almost did. Oh, my God. I think about that game. <laughs> I think about that game so much. Not because I was pulling for one side or another, but to think if that shot goes in, you know, when we're looking at overtime or we're looking at a... I don't even remember what the score was. I think it would have been pushed to overtime had that bucket gone in. But those on the Central games have been awesome, and I have no doubt, like I said, barring something incredible, we're going to get another one here in a few weeks. So, And, and we'll keep you updated. Obviously, there's a chance yeah. they could move it to UW Lacrosse as well. I'm hoping they so do. So we are, we're still going to keep you updated as far as the logistics and all that's concerned. WK2iSports.com, our full schedule right there. Drew, enjoy the game tonight. I will be in the studio and another game tomorrow, so thanks for giving us a couple of minutes. Always pleasure. That's Drew Kelly. You can hear him on our sister station, WIZM, later tonight. Central Logan Girls, round one to the playoffs. 
The first two matchups were incredible. We'll see what we get in round number three. We got a buzzer beater. We got another close game. The, the, the season series between those two teams has been awesome. And then, of course, the next game of the playoffs tomorrow. Check our full schedule, WK2iSports.com. Have an awesome weekend. I'll be back to talk to you Monday.